are listening to Pub Royalty Queen Podcast, a place to empower women of color in the music business. Welcome to Pub Royalty Queen Podcast. This is your host, Janisha Jones, back with a special guest, Rhea Davis. Rhea Davis has been a long-standing music and entertainment journalist, having worked for allhiphop.com and Soul Train award-winning website, This Is R&B, covering all of your favorite stars from Diddy to Babyface and literally everyone in between. I've had the privilege of getting to know Rhea. She's a social butterfly, always on the scene with the hottest star-studied events in Hollywood, and I've been able to get to know her over the past year. She just exudes big boss energy, so I had to have her on the show. And I'm just so grateful to have you, Rhea. Thank you so much, and welcome to Pablo the Queen Podcast. How Thank you feeling? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, of course, this podcast is um, an opportunity for us to build sisterhood and understand each other's experiences in this industry. Um, so tell us, let's just dive right in about your journey entering the music business and um, how you became a music entertainment journalist. Well, interestingly enough, it's funny. When I was a little girl, I feel like I only remember three things that I wanted to do. And one was a music journalist, one was an attorney, and the other was a music video director. So early on, I just knew I was gonna do all of them, but (laughs) early on, my mom was a journalist also, and she was also in media, but I wasn't trying to emulate her. I wasn't trying to follow her steps or anything. So the fact that it happened is so funny. I I don't think I realized or appreciated her until I got older. I was more so like glued to the TV and the Donnie Simpsons, the La La Sway, Oprah, Diane Sawyer, Barbara Walston, so I'm just grateful that I got to meet so many of them but I didn't realize I like when I got older I looked back and was like oh my god like my mom was kind of cool like she was doing all this stuff and so in middle school and high school she would have like press passes or just passes or access to everything because she knew everyone too so in mm-hmm. middle school and high school I, I would always be backstage or be somewhere with her or she'd be like I'm not going to that so you can go but don't come back without a story so <laughs> I mean I was she just was like prepping you Right. But I wasn't really, sometimes I was like, I wasn't really thinking. I was just like enamored with being there. I was like, look, yeah, I'm like in middle school and high school, like every celebrity who's coming to town, like we're there, but UNC Chapel Hill. And it wasn't until my sophomore year that a light went off my head and was like, girl, what are you talking about? You always wanted to be a journalist. Like, why was that not your, like one of your first majors? Like, what are you talking about? So I added (laughs) broadcast journalism my sophomore year as a double major because UNC didn't have like a pre-law track or anything. So people were majoring in anything to go to law school. So my other major was political science. Oh, wow. And then I started interning for radio stations. Nothing's in Chapel Hill, but Chapel Hill, the university, and then nothing's in Durham. So people are gonna be mad at me. Don't be mad at me if you're from there, but <laughs> there. college cities and towns, I don't care. And so I would, I would commute 30 minutes to Raleigh to intern sometimes with the radio station there and 45 minutes to Greensboro to intern mm. with the radio stations there. And I started, I did on camera too, but I did a lot early on in my career with videography. Oh, wow. So that was interesting because it kicked in the door at the time, a lot of women weren't shooting and I've always been like a girly girl. So that was, mm. it got a lot of attention and opened a lot of doors where sometimes people may not have needed a correspondent, but I could still come in, network, get that experience, document those things. Then I graduated and I moved to Atlanta. 
Wow. What a journey. I had no idea your mom was in the same <laughs> line of work as you. That's amazing that she kind of like opened that door, you know, possibility for you, exposed you to that kind of world. So it just kind of like even gave you a, an advantage, you know. Would you say that you had any mentors in the music business? And um, how important are mentors coming up in this game? I wish I would have had mentors. Sometimes the generation before us had this thing where they felt like, cause they had it hard, that the people after them should have had it hard too. And I just never mm-hmm. understood that. Cause my whole thing is like, you know, they say you, you can't pour from an empty cup, but even if my cup was empty, I'm, I always poured into other people. I always held the door open. Mm-hmm. I always made myself available for advice to people. Even if it's just via DM, you just never know how you could change somebody's life by helping them or giving them words of encouragement, always threw people's names in the hat, always connected people to opportunities and people, everybody's fighting for themselves, but people just aren't like that primarily. So I I wish I would have had mentors. Like people either become like their environments or they recognize the issues within them and choose to become completely opposite. And I didn't want to be like that. I always wanted to help Mm -hmm. people. I always wanted to see people win. I always wanted people to get the opportunity. So things would come across my lap all the time and I would just share that information. So I I wish I had, I wish I had Mm -hmm. mentors. I wish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so important, especially now, I feel like there are a lot more platforms for people to enter into the mentorship space, you know, coming up the career ladder, I I would say I probably had mostly male mentors, but that's because they were in positions of leadership, Um, whereas there are very few of us, you know, that are at that point where we can offer that kind of advice to people coming up, but um, I just feel like also in this space, now that I'm in a leadership position, I find it it's part of an obligation now to pay it forward by bringing other people up with me. So if I see someone, you know, who's along the same trajectory, you know, I might reach out to them and say, Hey, what's going on with you? Are there any challenges, things that you're going through right now and kind of offer my advice. Or even if I know that there's a position open where I, where I work, Hey, I know this person is perfect for this opportunity. So mentorship is just an opportunity, not only just to guide someone through their career, but also to help them elevate in their career. So yeah, I, I definitely no, agree with so you. It's so important. It's so important. More people should do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like talk about it, but they don't do it. So as soon as the mm-hmm. camera goes off or as soon as the event ends, it's like back to the bullshit. Like, no, like we really <laughs> need to like taller wall. We really need to like mm-hmm. lift others as we climb and rise. And I'm just like, see, I'm serious about like serious about that. Well, I hope that, you know, that you've also extended your mentorship abilities to other people that are aspiring to be publicists, because that's such a hard industry or part of the industry to get into. And it takes a lot of skills to do what you do. So shout out to the amazing queen, Heather Lowry. Um, She has been I'm also currently a mentor over there. She's just phenomenal. Like her brain is just out of this world. The things she's been able to put together as far as mentorship, live music, just giving, mm-hmm. really celebrating women and giving them a platform, so. Exactly. Shout out to Heather. She's doing amazing things in general, just like in terms of uplifting women. So support her for sure. I thought about something during the conversation. I don't feel like I had like hands-on mentors, but maybe one, one that did pour into me. And that is the legendary... Shanti Das. She's oh, yeah. an incredible music executive turned mental health advocate. She has this program, Violence to Shame. It's about eradicating mm. 
the stigma around mental health and getting people the help that they need. Mm -hmm. But her career in the music industry has been really, really legendary. And um, she did pour a lot into me. And I remember looking up to her before I met her. So meeting and connecting with her was really, really cool. And some other people that have poured into me, sometimes everybody's busy. You might not even talk to them all the time. And I think sometimes sometimes we think that's what mentorship is. And that it doesn't have to be that way either. You can just source inspiration to someone or you can like give them encouragement or support from time to time. And I think mm-hmm. that still can serve as mentorship, even if you don't take on the mentorship title. So two other women that I feel, I feel like I'm probably leaving some people out, but then I didn't have that many people. So I feel like if they did, I would remember them. But two other people I would really like to... Uh, shout out our Soledad O'Brien yeah. um, for pouring into me over the years and Valicia. Valicia is incredible. She is a superwoman. She is phenomenal. She is a shining example of excellence. And since we met, she's always been very supportive. And what she's doing with Ween is incredible. What she's doing with diversity and inclusion at the Recording Academy is incredible. Mm. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. So as I was thinking, I was like, I, I need to big up those three women. Yes, we got to shout out the sisters out there. So there are so many challenges that are unique to women of color in the music industry. Can you describe for us one specific challenge that you've had to overcome? Hmm. Okay, let's see. One specific challenge that I had to overcome. <laughs> you have to have really, really tough skin because people, mm-hmm. you know, like social media and stuff is a highlight reel or even your work is a highlight reel. People don't see all the no's, mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. the long long days, late nights, early mornings, sacrifice. They don't see the tears. I feel like even though I've been blessed with tremendous opportunity, people don't see the nose or when somebody wouldn't open the door or when somebody tried to come back around when they felt like I was doing something. Mm -hmm. They they validated it. You just have to have really tough skin, patience. And I don't know what everybody's faith is, but like I just had to stay like prayed up and you know lean on faith and just believe and remember that the dream is for you and you're doing it for you so I think patience I think timing Mm -hmm. and we're in a male-dominated industry too so navigating that has been interesting I've been blessed where I haven't had to deal with as much BS I always feel like I had this like electric fence around me like God doesn't play about me so people even I'm really really nice I think people know they just don't try. Like most people just right. don't come <laughs> that close to try. So I think most of my things were just timing. Like trust the timing of your life. Mm. Like trust God's timing in your life. Mm. And as long as you're doing the work and you believe it will happen and surround yourself with great people and don't get frustrated because unfortunately, especially in our industry, sometimes it seems like it's hard to find your genuine people or it's hard to find your mm. tribe. But keep going. Yeah. That inf- I mean, that um, energy and it will come mm-hmm. back to you. Agreed. I mean, that's amazing advice. I mean, I feel like as a woman of color in the, in the business, like you said, it's predominantly male. Most times you look to the right and it's another guy and they might be able to, I don't know, maybe you can attest to this more than I can, but they might be able to approach people a little bit easier. They might be able to be taken more seriously than you would be taken. They might be offered invitations to places before you simply for the fact that they're a man and their presence is a little bit more I don't know. And in people's eyes, they assert this like dominance to the masculine person in the room. But how do you feel about that? How have have you been able to navigate those spaces as, you know, as a woman, you know, in a male dominated space? Just integrity, self-respect, focus, boundaries, being stern, showing up to work and reminding people that I'm here to work. 
So, and, and then just networking and, and being genuine and, and letting my work speak for itself. Mm -hmm. So what would you say was your mama, I made it moment? You know, that, that time that you were like, this, I'm on the right track, I'm headed in the right direction. And what characteristics do you attribute to having gotten to that point? So many moments happened so fast that it's hard to pick an early one. Cause you would think like, I remember the first interview I ever did. I remember the first, everything happened so fast. So what was the first interview you had? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember I, I'll say this. I don't remember the first interview I had, but what I do remember is when I was doing videography uh, for a radio station in North Carolina, every station has those big summer concerts. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the biggest things I remember doing early on is just documenting the interviews from the station throughout the day, through the videography for the concert performances. That was early on. And then I moved to Atlanta and I was documenting like Ludacris's Luda Day weekend. Um, those are some of the early things I remember. And then both of those were like celebrity field. But mm -hmm. I had done, I had been blessed to do so many things, so many interviews, like really early on, like 2010, 2011, that everything was just back to back to back to back to back to back to back. So it was very hard to be like, you know, usually like, let's say you had one thing, you're like, oh my God, when is my next thing? Or, or yeah. sometimes one thing does propel you to the next. It, it, you just never know how it, it's going to go. But years later, like by this time I had interviewed everyone and or met everyone so this is like years later it's not the mama I made it moment but it's a one of my favorite moments I was interviewing Diddy and everyone knows I've been obsessed with him since I was a child I had met him a million times I interviewed him a million times before this but we didn't know that he was the next person on the carpet because it started pouring down mm. raining so the red carpet moved from outside to the inside and mm -hmm. we thought the last people on the carpet were the next people to come. So you gotta stay ready so you don't have to get ready, but I'm a music fanatic, music historian, music journalist. So I'm gonna be able to pull something out of my head anyway, but I literally did not know I was going to see this man. And he walks in and then his whole staff at the time knew I loved him. So it was just, it was just so funny, but I was interviewing him and I was just telling him, I was like, you know, I went from having posters of you on my wall to seeing you like celebrate over 20 years of bad boy like four mm. Volt Music Conferences, topping the Forbes list. Like, what can we expect next from this conference? And he was just like, well, we can expect you to get a job as an on-air correspondent because you did your thing. So seeing wow. somebody who you idolized as a child, who's one of the most successful people, especially of the culture, and yeah. one of the successful people in the world, just say that to you in the moment. I don't even think it registered. It had to play back later on. So that was fun. But I, I mean, like, I yeah, when you have a legend like Ziddy bigging you up and some you know, seeing you hustle and co-signing you. Yeah, that's a huge deal. And in the <laughs> moment, like that's, I, I don't even think I heard him. I think I was so stunned. I don't think I heard him till like, it, I think it traveled to my brain and my ears way later. <laughs> but some of the other moments were television, guest television correspondents. I think for me, that was big because I wanted to do it since I was younger. And it's very hard to break into that consistent, I mean, like on a consistent basis or, your, or a full-time basis. You kind of have to have an agent, have to do what they want. X amount of years mm. of experience. So I got in by doing a lot of guest commentary. So I was able to do like guest commentary or and be featured on like VH1, Bravo, BT, TMZ, Revolt, Lifetime, TV One, Access Hollywood, mm. The Steve Harvey Show. It's so many different things. I think being on TV 
was big for me. And also doing music commentary, um, documentary commentary was really big for me, especially for like things like TV One's Unsung. Wow. See what I mean? She's been everywhere, y'all. <laughs> I knew I, I had to have on the show because like she just has this energy that gra- people gravitate towards her. If you ever meet her, she just lights up a room. And so I'm not surprised that, you know, she's found success as a publicist and as a journalist because she's just a bright star. Thank so you. I just, of course, of course. And I mean, it just, it takes a lot of skill, like I said, to do what you do. I mean, you know how to work a room. That's another thing that I feel like um, women need to be a little bit more confident about speaking up for themselves, about standing up and using their voices in these rooms, because it can be intimidating. Yes. What is some advice? I know we talked about advice a little bit earlier. You gave some gems, but what advice would you give to aspiring women of color in this business, in particular, the business that you're in, the sector, the industry you're in? If you're still in college, intern, 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 intern. I think sometimes they might have internships for high school students too, maybe. But intern, network across, network up to, but start with the people, build with the people that are on the same level as you. Just the knowledge you can gain, the skill, like we're stronger as a team. Mm. Research your field, study your craft, perfect it, put in those hours, do your due diligence on whatever it is that you want to do. Stay positive, challenge yourself. Put yourself in the position to receive opportunity or create your mm. own um, bars. Never give up. Just never give up on anything that you can't go a day without thinking about. I know it's kind of cliche, but it's it's for real. Like never give up. That's a fact. I mean, you really have to believe in yourself at the end of the day. Um, and this business is so competitive. It's one of the most fun businesses to work in, but also one of the most like you have to be on your grind relevant or to stay on top of things like ear to the ground kind of situation so you have to put in the, the footwork to really make it happen here yeah I love that I love that advice if there was anything that you could have done differently in the industry what would it have been uh, whether it was like mismanagement or what would you say that you would have done differently what would you tell yourself coming up in the industry I've always been like a no bullshit no nonsense outspoken type of person but I, if I look back, I feel like I might have paid dues too long. And I know it's like these mm. unspoken rules of like putting a certain amount of time in or paying your dues and this, that, and the third. But I probably would have would have cut off that a little earlier and like stood on my worth and then been extremely vocal about that. Cause I'm just really outspoken in general. But I think the outspokenness would have come out a little earlier and not just like, oh, I'm gonna bite my tongue here. Oh, I'm not gonna say anything here. That's the only thing I probably would have done different. That seems to be like a consensus across the board with most of the interviews that I've done so far. It's one thing we take ownership over what we say, but we're too afraid to say it, or we feel like we're not ready, or the audience isn't ready to hear what we have to say, or our bosses don't respect us enough yet to receive what we're saying. Um, I think that's just so important for us to like really standing our ground and stand in what we believe is right for ourselves. And sometimes also going out on a limb, you know what I mean? Because we might not be 100% ready for an opportunity yet, but you never know. Someone might come over and offer to lift you up in that way, support you in that way, in the ways that you might need at the time. Right. Um, or just guide you, you know, that's so sad. I feel like we need to be a little bit more, yeah, just take more ownership over what it is that we want, know what we want and go after it. 
speak up for ourselves. That's what's meant for you can't miss you. So if yes. you have to speak up or if it, I believe in having uncomfortable conversations, like I'm not timid, I'm not scared. I just, oh well, like I have, <laughs> I've always been very expressive. Like my mom's hands, I was like a little kid. I, it's gonna rub you the right way, but I, I mean well. Or if I have to say what, like, cause people be knowing what they be doing. So you have <laughs> to like check the BS. Like you have to set healthy boundaries. You have to be very mm. vocal. You have to stand up for yourself and your worth is not negotiable. Like facts. No, it's not. That's a fact. And you have to know your, what it is that you offer and what you bring to the table and the value you bring to the table before anyone else can <laughs> believe that. So right. yeah, I mean, it's, fun, it's funny because you work in an industry, we work in an industry where we're surrounded by people that are egotistical you know and it's almost like by design you have to have this inflated sense of self sometimes in order to make sure that people remember you you know make sure that people understand that you're the best at this thing even though that's part of this part of the marketing ploy too is to say I'm the best at, at something right but you also should use your time to you know build your craft understand your craft so that you become the best and you're not just saying it because deep down you know you could be that <laughs> you know right but um it takes a lot I think to deal with a lot of different personalities strong personalities in this industry and then still be very you know solid in who you are so that's something I admire about what you do I feel like it takes a lot to take on those energies and talk about that like what's it like having to deal with multiple personalities all at once taking in their energy and having to like kind of be vulnerable to that in order to carry a conversation or get the information you need from them how does that feel most of the interviews are really really fun because I've always been like very personable and I'm very funny so I always make people feel <laughs> comfortable or make them laugh or I'm like a music historian so I'm like mm -hmm. trying to think of questions that somebody else wouldn't ask them or or mm -hmm. zone hone in on like a certain fact about them or a certain experience. So I try to, every now and then, like sometimes the question may be a teeny bit surface or generic because like, mm. we want to know, like, what are you working on next? Or, you know, yeah, but I try yeah. to like come up with questions that are not the standard. Generic. I try to think about digging deeper and also celebrating and edifying people. So the interviews are pretty fine. Those are fine. Every now and then you get someone that doesn't have like any personality or they don't like media or they're, they're, they're like bland and they're boring. So that makes the interview really, really hard. But speaking on energies, for the interviews is pretty fine. Energies in the industry can be draining. So you just have yeah. to protect your energy. You have to stay prayed up. Usai, yeah. people, keep people at a distance. It's just a lot. And then, then there's a lot of healing and unlearning that needs to happen in our yeah. industry. I think some people think they should act a certain way or they should mm -hmm. act a certain way when they when they get somewhere. And I just never understood like why you wouldn't want to be known for being nice or kind yeah. or pleasant. And every, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea, nor should you be. But there's still such a such thing as pleasant and yes. kind and humble. Yeah. And I don't think that's exercised a lot. So I think there needs mm. to be a lot of a lot of healing because sometimes it feels like like either insecurity or trauma or hurt, or they may not have been in a position mm -hmm. of power before or somebody hurt mm -hmm. them before, but we have to like change a lot of things, I think. Cause we have, we're having all these conversations, but sometimes it doesn't feel like enough change is coming behind it. 
Yeah. So we have to hold our people accountable too. It's a fact. Our friends accountable, our peers accountable. We have to check things. I just want everybody to be positive and flourishing and good energy, but it's a lot. I mean, dealing with humans is a lot. We're all a lot. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, <laughs> you do this for a career, like you do this for a living. And so you don't get to turn it off. This right. is something, you know what I mean? Whereas someone like me, I'm not, I'm interviewing women of color in the business. I feel like I have a lot more to relate to them on that level, but I don't have to, you know, my circle of friends, it's comfortable. You know, I can just be myself. I don't have to be on. So it's just something that I feel like it takes a lot of courage. And I, I don't know, it's, I feel like a lot of women suffer from anxiety being in presence of, especially people of empower and people that have done a lot, accomplished a lot in their lives. And sadly, we do live in a world that, you know, we're taught to compare ourselves to each other, especially via social media. Like you said, you see the highlight reels of people's lives, but you're not seeing the um, trepidations, you're not seeing the obstacles that they're going through, the nose or what have you. So we're consistently thinking that we're having to compare ourselves to their highlights. So yeah, there's something that I think a lot of us are challenged by that when we go to the room. So the fact that you're able to kind of like switch that and see, you know, the humanity in the person um, and relate to them in that capacity from a work standpoint as well I mean like I said you have to pull the good the good th things out they might not be willing to share <laughs> you know that's that's a special talent for sure so what are some common misconceptions that people have about women of color in the music industry the thing is I don't know if this is a misconception or maybe too much emphasis is put on it because I think people think that women of color can't work together or they're, mm. or they're catty or they don't want to hold the door open and they don't want to help and they don't want to build. And But see, I can't negate that some of that doesn't happen. I just think we have to work on eradicating that and doing better at like holding the door open and not letting it close behind you and actually paying it forward and actually building community. So I can't say that it doesn't happen. So I can't say that it's a misconception because I think it does happen. Mm. The misconceptions about women of color in the industry. That's that's the biggest thing that I think. The cattiness and yeah. the lack of collaboration. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like- We can't collaborate. We can, so that, that would be a misconception. I think actually more of it needs to happen. I just think more of it needs to happen. I, I think we can collaborate. And I just think more opportunities need to happen and people have to have a willingness to want to help each other and, and build together. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like I've heard, heard that a lot. And I feel like that happens more on like the creative side of the industry than any other aspect of the industry where it's like, okay, I have this one rap artist. So on my roster, and the other one has to be a little bit, we have to mold her to be on the R&B side a little softer because we don't want her to compete against the rap artist. And it's like, well, why can't you have more than one rap female artist on your roster? Right. It's interesting the way that this industry kind of like pins you against another person. Yeah, that's Even true with the artists. I hate that. They, there can be a zillion men, but I always hated that, especially later in these later years, it, they like only one person could be on top. And now 
fans our systems are creating these beefs and like you would be way stronger and collaborating both of you could do collaborative songs get more money I just hate I hate the beefs and the I just hate the divisiveness and the division because like you know in the 90s and early 2000s like we had so many female artists all at one time, like celebrating. Mm-hmm. They were all celebrated. They were all amazing. And they, a lot of them collaborated. So yeah, I think there's room for everyone. So I agree. And just on another note, how do you feel about the narrative right now about while we're on the topic of female, Black female rappers, uh, the content that's being pushed out there. A lot of people are saying that they're over-sexualized and it's a content, they're not role models and they're over-sexualizing themselves. But I kind of feel like they're taking agency over their bodies. This is a time in, in a society where women now were born with all of our rights. We have now power and control over our bodies and what we do with our, with our time. And um, I don't know, I just feel like it's a freedom of expression. You know, I, we're moving I think it's like, really hypocritical. Like men talk about everything. The music is very, very, still very, very misogynistic. It's still very derogatory. It's still very degrading. It's still very violent when it comes to men and men get a pass. Nobody even breaks down or critiques what they're even saying usually. They just mosey on by the song. But a woman drops anything, especially owning her sexuality and her sexual agency and it's like she's this and she's that and I'm just like it's just I hate double standards and I hate the hypocrisy Mm. and I think it's so funny how it makes the men uncomfortable and I encourage the women to keep doing it and it's not a novel thing like women have been rapping about these things now what I will say is I like all spectrums of it I've always been like a really really liberal person I don't know what's going on I don't know if it's age because sometimes I'm like whoo okay I think, but I, what I do want from everybody, male and female, is just more diversity. Like, yes. just more diversity in the sound and the lyricism and the messaging, because everything doesn't have to be that. Right. I have no yeah. issue. They get mad if you put one, a female puts one song out. I have no issue with song that is sexually based, but I just want to see more subject matter from everyone. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like there's criticism to go around on all sides, right? If we're going to build as a community, we need to be a little bit more responsible about what it is that we do put out there. But at the same time, it doesn't always have to be like the surface level analysis of of a song like, okay, yeah, she loves having sex this way and with this person or what have you. But can you see the bigger picture? Like this is something that we weren't able to express 10 years ago. So this is an outlet now. You know, and yeah. And I feel like I hate that, like, I feel like some men think that women were put here to be sexually objectified by them and to be sexually object in proximity to them. Like, I think, I just hate the double standards. So I just love women that ignore and defy all of that. I agree. Yes, uh, that's exactly what I, it's funny because depending on who you talk to, you get different answers to that question. But I feel like because you have, like you said, you're a historian and you're well-versed in speaking to a lot of different people about these kinds of things. So uh, it's great to get your perspective on that. In what ways can women of color advocate for one another in this field? I know we talked about like, you know, mentorship and what it takes to actually stay in this business, having a thick skin, but what can we do to lift each other up? Um, collaboration, like again, um, holding the door open, paying it forward, mm-hmm. um, knowing people's mm-hmm. names in the hat, 
uh, creating opportunities, partnering with major corporations and brands, or, you know, mm-hmm. creating programs, just strategizing and mapping out um, as many things as possible, and then executing that and bringing different people in to be a part of it. And also just see what's missing and then work towards that, like work towards problem mm-hmm. solving for that. But mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of it starts with building community, creating sisterhood, and a lot of things are rooted in lack of opportunity or access. So giving Fact. access, exposure, and starting that exposure and training people up from a young age. But a lot of people still need help later on in their career. So always having that willingness to pay for it and elevate others. That's what I'm hoping that this podcast does. It brings a different element, different type of conversation to the table. One that we've been kind of silenced. I don't know about you, but I, you know, coming up in the industry, being a lot, a lot of the times only black women in the room, invisible. You know, I felt like my opinions didn't matter. I was really just there for optics of, you know, the diversity hire or what have you. Even though I know that I, you know, qualify for the position and I was probably more competent than what people would give me credit for in the room. But I feel like when we see each other in those situations and we see each other each other at work or we see each other at the networking events, we need to tap in, not just on a, what are you working on? How can I help? But on a, how you doing, girl? Like, how you feeling? Like, you know, what, what are you going through? Because I've gone through a lot of those situations. And we went to an event last night. And one of the things that resonated with pretty much everyone in the room was the fact that people are seeking therapy now. Like a lot of people are going to talk to professionals for unbiased point of view of what they're, they've experienced and the traumas and triggers that they have. And I think that is part of it. Like being able to express yourself, being able to know yourself and relate to other people because we're not monoliths. Black women aren't monoliths. We have different experiences, but there are things to a deeper level that we can definitely resonate with each other on. In terms of advocating for each other, sometimes it's not just about saying the person's name in the room. That's great too. Like, don't get me wrong. We should do that as well. But yeah, just tap in sometimes. How you feel? How you doing, girl? Like, I see you over there shining. Is there anything that you need from me? Like, just celebrate each other. Yeah, celebrate each other more. And that's something I'm, I've always been big on. And, you know, I don't do it for to receive anything. I've just been really, really big on giving people their flowers and yeah. celebrating people and tell them um, about their light. And I, I, I celebrate everyone, even strangers, um, anybody who mm. knows me. Like, I've always shared good news, always walked up to people and told them how proud I am of them, whether I know them or not. Yeah, especially just applaud people and just give them their flowers. Sometimes you just, you just need to hear that from other people. Yes. It lets exactly. you know you're on the right track as well. Yes. And it's a motivator for you. Like if you can see someone else shiny and not feel some kind of way, because we know that there's always people that feel like, she thinks she all that, like, and they, <laughs> they don't want to tap in because of that, their own like jealousy or what have you. But, you know, if you feel comfortable enough to say, hey girl, I see you over there doing your thing. Like I see you over there shining, you know, that also helps to build you up. Like, dang, if she can do it, I know I can do it too. And we can collaborate and move each other up. Like, I've been in a world where I feel like there's two sides of of the same coin. Like, on one side, we see each other and we see ourselves in each other and we want to lift each other up. But then the other side is saying, well, if I lift her up, then that means that I'm down here or that means that I can't move up because she's where I want to be. And it's like, no, like, there's enough space for all of us. There's enough space for all of us and we're all special in in our 
So if there was anything that I would want from this podcast is that to, to resonate with folks that like we all have something that we can offer and bring to the table. And let's just continue to elevate one another. People have to get over the fact of this, of being scared to lose their spot because what's for you is for you. And also people have to get, get past insecurity. Yes. Because some people want to see you doing well. Some people don't want to see you doing well, but some people want to see you well, but not better than them or not on the same level as them. The crabs so it's a barrel of, mentality. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And a lot of people have to recognize that and then do the work to change that in themselves. So Exactly. Well, we, we all have insecurities and, and sometimes it's hard for us to like surpass them. So sometimes it's not just about getting over your insecurities as much as saying, I know that's an insecurity of mine, but I'm not going to let that deter me from building this relationship or deter me from helping a sister out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, anyway, what can we expect from future and what projects are you working on that excite you at the moment? More television correspondence, more guest correspondence, more music documentary commentary. I want to just challenge myself to do things um, outside of my realms as well. So I'm really interested in cannabis right now. So we might see okay. stuff in the future. Going to write a book or two eventually. I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to do. I know writing a book. <laughs> more interviews, more celebrating us and telling our stories from my perspective and coverage. That's all I can think of right now. I'm curious what your book is going to be about. I so it's you got all the tea. So one of the books is going to be about my journey. And okay. the other book, I've always wanted to write a, like Omar, Tyree, Zane, a sister soldier type of book too. Mm-hmm. So I think if I can sit still one day, I'm going to do that also. But it's going to be some fact and fiction. So it's going to be pretty entertaining. <laughs> oh, wow. Can't wait for that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that sounds interesting. I'm grateful again to have you on the show. Um, like I said, I, I see what you're doing and I'm very proud of you as well. We haven't known each other very long, but anytime I, see, anytime I see a woman out there really like, doing very passionate about what what it is that they're doing is something that I will big up and will always support so you're welcome back on the podcast at any time and thank you so much for being here Rhea where can people find you and connect with you Twitter and Instagram I am Rhea Davis I don't use my Facebook that much um but on Facebook is Rhea Davis excellent well again girl I just appreciate you thank you for being on the show And I'll talk with you next time. Thank you. Remember, stay positive, inspired, and true to yourself. Go out there and kill it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Pub Royalty Queen Podcast.